Radio Lockdown is a Neptune podcast. Hold up. Hello. Fucking lockdown. I see you back in town. It's funny how I lose my mind when you come around. Blaze it. Oh, it is 420. We are recording a little later on Sunday. So, yeah, blaze it. I'm not blazing anything, but I am drinking a cider. (laughs) Cider. You you are, in fact, pronouncing it wrong. That's how you're supposed to say cider. I'm sorry. I didn't realize we were. (laughs) This was the pirate episode. Cider. Cider. A good sip of cider. It always ends up sounding like a little bit like Welsh, maybe, or something. Cider. <laughs> well, I mean, those pirate accents are mostly just derived from Irish and Welsh, right? It's just gra- growling, essentially. <laughs> growling. And were you once oppressed by England? <laughs> I, I was. There we go. You're a pirate. Congratulations. Colonialism is a dirty trap. Yeah. None of none of this is usable. <laughs> oh, absolutely. I mean, you can tell me this is. I'm. Uh, I'm thinking this episode being the thirteenth and last episode of the second season of Radio Lockdown. Wow! I feel like we're just gonna we're just gonna play the hits. <laughs> Justin, what are our hits? <laughs> um, no, hang on. Give me a second. I'm sure we have some. Uh, I was actually thinking that this week, in order to return to our roots, um, before we change up the format a bit, which I'll talk about a bit later in the show, um, I thought we should pick a theme for this week. Oh man, I love doing this. Why did we stop doing this? This is awesome. I don't know why we stopped, but I'm copying the link into Skype. Yeah. Uh, from the free music archive, shout out to the antique phonograph music program do you have a song in mind there's the alcoholic which might be appropriate yeah let's pick all the ones that are about alcohol i'm sure they're not also going to be sexist and or racist all right yeah they were hella racist that was i think that was the reason that we stopped using this list was because many of the songs were very racist i'm a little bit concerned where my pillow and me is gonna go i'm just gonna play that one back for my own benefit oh it's a banger yeah, it's awesome. Oh, she's crooning. Oh, she's very sad, Justin. It's okay. She's got a pillow. It's super apt because all I want to be doing right now, apart from talking to you, obviously, is, is chilling out in my bed. Just being real quiet. <laughs> well, don't worry. This is going to be a very quiet one. The finale. Oh, i got to talk about KFC at some point. Big plans. Their ads continue to be nothing but net, man. They're still amazing. Will you bring some up while I explain to our listeners uh, what on earth is going on, shall I? Yeah, good thinking. Uh, essentially, we ran 13 episodes in our first season. Uh, it was not designed to be 13 episodes. Um, I got very uh overwhelmed with studies other things happened uh we were like halfway through the interview with ellen and then i just had to do other things for a bit um so we came back to it in november and that was when i basically put down the season break this is a more deliberate exercise and i think it's because especially when we get to the news segment, one of the ideas that's been coming up a lot recently is this idea of COVID complacency. And it's got me thinking a lot about like, am I really helping by dropping a large news segment in the middle of every episode? Like, does that really, is that what everyone needs right now? Um, It was really helpful when we started out, I think, right? Like the point of the show, I think was there was a lot of terrible reporting on COVID at the start. I don't know if you remember this, Darcy, but people didn't... At the beginning, it was not ideal. Messaging could have been a little clearer. And I don't know that we did a much better job, but I feel like I tried to be kind of like cohesive and talking about news stories that were happening at the time 
And then we would just like cushion that with a healthy bit of us just talking nonsense. Um, and that I think at the very least was a good idea. I don't know how well we pulled it off, <laughs> but it was a good premise for a show at that point in time. Now I think as we become more complacent, I feel like it's actually not super helpful to cushion COVID news in amongst a bunch of us, I don't know, talking about our days and stuff. Like we don't need to to cushion the blow of COVID news. I feel like it's good to just like get in and out, mm. read like a couple of news stories uh, periodically and then not be constantly thinking about COVID the rest of the time. Like figure out what you need to be doing, make sure that you're still um, focusing on stuff. But basing our podcast around the news segment doesn't make so much uh, sense anymore. And I've found that it actually encourages me to switch off a bit. So my pitch to you, and I've already made this pitch to you off air, so I feel okay making it in front of our listeners. (laughs) I'm not, you know, just completely exposing myself here for you to be like, no, I... What are you talking about? We should just keep doing this. The shared, the shared endeavor that we're doing. I'm going to tell you on air that you're doing it wrong. Yeah. No. I... <laughs> Your idea is dumb. <laughs> yeah. No, what we should do is just keep doing exactly what we've been doing. It would be a big swing. Your pitch is we do no make no changes <laughs> in perpetuity. I mean, it should, should be more me talking, I think, is the For only sure. change I would make. Well, you know. That is probably going to happen by virtue of our new premise, um, which is uh, we're going to be going back to doing what we've been doing best from the beginning, talking shit about movies and TV shows. Um, And through that, kind of figuring out what the new normal or whatever feels like day to day. So not so much talking about individual news stories about COVID, but rather spending the entire episode focusing on something from likely from pre-pandemic times and placing them in a post-pandemic context. Yeah, basically, I wanted to be able to talk about any movie ever. (laughs) Yeah. But the only thing is you have to bring it back to the theme has to be some sort of experience or emotion or something that evokes the COVID experience. Yeah, and it can be pretty loose, I think, is what we were talking about yeah maybe you'll say Darcy we have to watch The Sound of Music because I got really into musicals while I was in lockdown because they helped me focus on something that was fun and bouncy and uh you know musicals slaps so (laughs) we're gonna watch The Sound of Music does slap and also there's been like a subtle rise of Nazism uh throughout COVID so that we do have to talk about the power of musicals and singing on hilltops in opposing the rise of the the right during COVID. There's a lot to talk about in The Sound of Music. Maybe that's our first film. Regardless, I think that this as a way of approaching the show is actually going to be a better way of keeping that small part of the brain alive that is focusing on what do we do around COVID? What is the normal way to behave right now? Um, like how has the world changed and how can I help? How can I be actually actively involved in this new world rather than just like panicking because there's all this news that we're receiving passively, which I feel like, I don't know, that's, that's been my, every week I kind of have dreaded the news segment a little bit because it's all like a lot of, Oh, buddy. (laughs) I don't mean that in like a terrible way. I just mean like, there's a certain element of just reading the news that feels very, um, like you can't really do anything about it. It's a, it's just something that happens to you. And I feel like what we were actually doing a lot better at the start was talking about like how we interpret that and how we approach that in a different way and how we like turn that around and, you know, whether whether it was just us panicking and talking about coping mechanisms or whatever. Like, I feel like that was something we, we really nailed at the start. And recently, because I haven't known what the fuck I'm doing, it's much harder for me to say, this is what the fuck you should be doing. Um, that's just uh, my my hot take here. I don't know. That's That's been where I've been at. Um, this is not any commentary on your work on the podcast, Darcy. This is all self-reflection. And... No, it's sterling, sterling stuff. Absolutely. <laughs> Will you bring it every week? Have you found any KFC ads yet? <laughs> oh, I found so many. <laughs> <laughs> excellent, excellent. You just take a quick trip to their Facebook page and it's nothing but 
bangers. Sick. Oh, my God. Okay, oh, fire yeah. away. So, yeah. <laughs> this, has to, this has to be persistent on the new season, surely. So we have Dip It Real Good, the <laughs> dipping box, which I want very badly now. I want to eat that very much. Chip Ching. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> They're doing cinnamon donuts. Cinnamon nom nom nom. I mean... You're not even giving me enough time to praise these. You're just moving swiftly between them, and I feel like we're really... I want to talk about this new weird thing they're doing, which is a little unsettling. Yeah, please do. KFC has started doing this thing where they're like, yeah, and then you just use KFC to make a fancy meal. And it's like, that's not your purpose. So the last one I sent you was pimped up zinger noodles. It does not sound now which is deeply unnecessary i'm a bit biased here because i i am a mean cook and by that i mean i'm a good cook not a gordon ramsay style um slamming people's cooking sort of person usually but okay what kind of noodles are they working with are they talking like two minute noodles no they're talking like a me goring style thing but still the very thin like wavy noodles like justin timberlake's mid-2000s hair yes just like not mid-2000s late 90s Anyway. It's got to be May. I could understand that with a slightly thicker, like a Hokkien noodle. You could have like a Zinger chicken or you could... Or you could not do this. They sell a meal. Just eat the meal or cook a meal. Like those are your options. You could coat the chicken in cooked noodles in the manner of breadcrumbing, but just kind of like wrap it around. But... But why would you? It's like they're doing like a, a BuzzFeed recipe challenge or something. You don't need to. They asked a chef to create a recipe for zingers. And you're like, what, what are you doing, man? You've already got a recipe for zingers. It's what you use to cook the zingers. And then then you eat that and that is your meal. No one's going to KFC and being like, how can I zhuzh this up a little bit? No, they're going, I kind of want to die. I'm going to eat some fried chicken. If you want to zhuzh it up a little bit, you go to a Korean fried chicken place. Yes. That is the zhuzhed up version, right? There are a oh. bunch of... I'm. This is absolutely one of my favorite things that's happened in Adelaide over the past couple of years. We've just had all of these amazing Korean fried chicken places that popped up, and it's so good. Yeah, man. Uh, I went to Busan Baby on Friday, and why did no one tell me about soju? No one told you about soju? Well, that's, I mean, that's a failing on my part. No one told me about soju, and it's like a, a vodka cruiser, but it's very efficient. <laughs> I'm drinking it, I'm like, this is delicious. And then I'm like, guys, we should go out. What the, what, what happened here? Oh, I drank like a bottle of soju. <laughs> but there's a certain classiness around soju that makes you regret it slightly less. I don't know. I've yes. found that. Ellen and I went there for Valentine's Day, I think. Cute. They had a cocktail that was served in a glass teapot and inside the ice cubes they had frozen strawberries so they looked like little strawberry snow globes. Whoa. Yeah, it's like classy as shit. Oh, and a lot of them have vego chicken substitutes as well. Bouchon Baby has mm. cauliflower that they cook the same way as they cook their chicken, and it is so rad. Mm. So, so rad. I guess what we're saying here is... Fucking <laughs> nothing. The KFC we're going to talk about next season is going to be all Korean fried chicken, because I'm very down mm. for this. Abs- absolutely not. I will continue to be talking about my one and, and only love, KFC. I'm going to work to get us sponsored by a Korean fried chicken company just so that we don't talk about KFC anymore. <laughs> just so it will supplant... <laughs> Uh, unsponsored advertising for KFC. Look, if someone starts to give me free chicken, then that's a different conversation. <laughs> but at this point in time, nothing will support the dirty, bad, good feeling of getting KFC. And certainly not going to a nice restaurant and eating some Korean fried chicken. <laughs> yeah, I suppose they are I suppose they are different experiences. Oh, gentle gentle listeners, I want to share. I actually got to see the inside of Justin's house the other day. Oh, it's exciting. I have lived in this house for more than five years, five and a half years, I think. And I very, very, very rarely have guests over. (laughs) Like that time you came over, Darcy, I think like that night I doubled the number of people I've had in my house since I moved in. Good Lord. (laughs) 
Do not have people over. I am a recluse. I honestly, a little part of me was like, is Justin's flat like really shit? Why have I never been inside? Because <laughs> so I was like, I've dropped you guys there or I've picked stuff up from there before. Yeah. Well, the thing is, I actually live in the stairwell. What is he hiding? My house is good. Yeah. Yes, it's lovely. It's a really lovely Very place. Nice. I'm recording in a lovely room. All of all of my preconceived notions of what might have been in on the other side of that door were absolutely blown away. To be fair, I own about two pieces of furniture in this house. And we've been over that. I'm but... largely holding them for other people, but... Yes. I walked in and I was like, this is a beautifully appointed apartment. It made me feel guilty that I didn't own more art. <laughs> oh, yeah, I do have a weird amount of art. Not a weird amount, it's a good amount. Anyway, we could keep talking about our possessions for a little while longer. But <laughs> given that this is the last episode where I am going to drop a big old news segment. All right, let's get into it. do 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 news that's excellent that's going to really provide the baseline for the news theme supercut which is right now <gasps> in the edit <laughs> wink 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 I think it's going to be very difficult to keep it to a meter, um, but I'm really excited for the prospect of it. I, I do span all genres. You're right. You, it's an eclectic situation. That's, that is exactly what I said. So... <laughs> Um, essentially with this news segment, rather than talking specifically about individual things that have happened, although I will talk about a couple of, you know, events, basically I, I realized I've got one last shot to drop as much COVID news as I possibly can. And I thought that I would try to theme a news segment around what the future holds for COVID and especially in Australia, because that's where we are. Let's do this thing. Last news. Last news. So it's the end of May, as we record, start of June, as you listen to the show, listener, um, and it's looking like the chief determinant of Australia's COVID future will be how quickly we can get everyone vaccinated. Um, I'm not going to mince words. The vaccine rollout's been a bit of a shit show, Darcy. (laughs) Yes, I noticed that I am not currently vaccinated, so... Oh, me neither. Oh, weird. At least partly, it's because of poor communication about the AstraZeneca vaccine and why it's still being rolled out for people older than 50. So I thought I'd talk uh, a bit about that. While there's no specific stats on who is getting vaccinated and who's not getting vaccinated, the vast majority of people that are eligible at the moment are people older than 50. And with vaccination numbers being much lower than expected, I mean, it's not hard to do the maths and say, well... A lot of people older than 50 are not getting the chat. So let's talk through thrombosis with thrombocytopenia syndrome. Woo! Yay! All right, blood clots. Blood clots. In about six cases for every million people vaccinated, the AstraZeneca vaccine appears to be associated with a blood clotting syndrome called TTS, or thrombosis with thrombocytopenia syndrome. It has two main effects the thrombosis, and the thrombocytopenia. So I don't need to explain that anymore, yeah. Yeah, that old chestnut. Yeah, we got that. Yeah. So it's all got to do with the platelets or thrombocytes in your blood. Um, The role of platelets is to stop blood flow when a blood vessel breaks. So if you fall over and cut your knee, platelets are first on the scene. They rock up. They stick to the point of injury and they deliberately form a a blood clot to plug the break in the blood vessel. But sometimes your platelets can get tricked into forming blood clots when there isn't a break in the vessel wall. Oh, my poor platelets. I know. I know. Just trying to do their thing. They're they're just doing their best, buddy. Um, (laughs) They just want to help. So that's called thrombosis, when a blood clot happens in an intact 
blood vessel, owing usually to an abnormality within the blood vessel that they falsely think is a, a hemorrhage, a bit of damage to that blood vessel. Um, that appears to also be being triggered by AstraZeneca. And in TTS, because all your platelets are getting stuck together, you have less of them moving through your bloodstream overall. So you end up with a deficiency in thrombocytes or thrombocytopenia. So essentially TTS, thrombosis with thrombocytopenia syndrome, is just stuck platelet syndrome. All your platelets are getting stuck. They stop traveling around your body. We don't know exactly what the vaccine's doing to provoke this response. There's a couple of different theories about it. One is that the virus that the vaccine is traveling on is going into the wrong part of the cells. Anyway, stuff that I haven't been able to get my head around. I'm not a medical doctor. I'm just doing my best. Um, but we do know that it's caused by an overactivation of your platelets, which brings us back to people over 50. Because while the direct cause of this side effect is unknown, it's more likely to be observed in people with stronger immune systems. People over 50 are already starting to undergo immune senescence. Their immune systems are becoming weaker, and therefore their bodies are less capable of fighting themselves, which is why the government has restricted the AstraZeneca rollout to people over 50. That's the explanation. We did it. We got there. Yay! Um, so yeah, in general, everyone has about a 1 in 167,000 chance of blood clotting. That's 6 in a million. For younger people, it's estimated to be, uh, by younger people, I mean people younger than 50, it's estimated to be between 1 in 25,000 and 1 in 50,000. And with about a 1 in 4 chance of death from TTS, that's about 1 in 100,000 or about the chance of dying in a skydiving accident or at a rave. So Useful comparisons. <laughs> oh, man, I don't want to die at a rave. I'd be wearing such dumb clothes. <laughs> You'd be easy to find. Yeah, but I'd be dead. <laughs> I don't care what happens to my body. <laughs> okay, interesting. Darcy died doing what she loved. Maybe. You don't know. You couldn't find my body. <laughs> Glowing on the floor of a club. I caught up with my mum the other day, who's just turned 50 at the end of last year um, and has been bemoaning the fact uh, because, you know, she doesn't like the idea of thinking that she's over 50. <laughs> um and she just got the AstraZeneca vaccine. She was feeling a bit poorly. But I was saying that it's only hit her so hard because she's so young and youthful. Ah, um, uh, yeah. you're a good son. I know. I know. That's why I don't exercise, because I don't want my immune system to be equipped to beat me up. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm a good son. And also, I don't want my immune system to be strong. So, you know, <laughs> screw that guy. Well, this is always. Yeah. I am. Uh, that's impeccable logic, as we always have on this show. Um, so, yeah, there's been poor communication about the effects of AstraZeneca, and that means people older than 50 are not getting vaccinated and doses are going to waste. On the 19th of May, The Guardian reported that at one of Victoria's vaccination hubs, a nurse had administered just one vaccine in a whole eight-hour shift. Holy crap. Yeah. I'm going to tell you, that's um, I had to go get COVID tested again because I had a horrible cold. Yeah. Just horrible because Bugger. my housemate got sick, so he called me up and said, I just had to go get tested. You have to isolate as well. So I turned to my boss and say, hey, I got to go yep. <laughs> and go home to isolate, right? And we're waiting for his results, blah, blah, blah. The next day is the day we get our flu vaccine. So it was all scheduled and I'm like, I, I can't attend. Yep. So then, you know, like three days down the track, I get a horrible cold. Oh, no. <laughs> and I'm like, this is because I didn't get the flu vaccine. I don't know if that's logical or not. I'm sure there's some medical stuff that can tell me that that's not how that would work. No, but there's some astrological stuff that's like, yeah, you definitely... <laughs> Oh my god, it's killing me. The supermoon <laughs> happened. And oh no. <laughs> everyone at work is like, mm, crazies are going to come out. And I'm like, ah, oh, that's not a thing. Uh, and now they've doubled down on it because they like annoying me. <laughs> actually, Ellen sent me a really good article on this the other day. Let me just bring it up um, because it was really cool. Um, the article from the ABC there's a supermoon and a lunar eclipse tonight, so will it affect people's behavior? 
oh, it's a great article because it just says no. <laughs> well, it says it says no. Um, the only possible correlation between moon phases and criminal behavior is that uh, there's an indirect effect because criminals prefer a little bit of light to do their job, but not so much light that they're easier to see, which means that some criminals might actually prefer to be active on a moonlit night. But there is no link that has been found between the moon and mental health and no overall link between the moon and and people's behaviour. The only other other part of that that I liked was they were like, well, hey, there might be some um, self-fulfilling prophecy because that's what I kept on screaming at this lady at work. Not screaming, gently and sternly reminding. (laughs) I don't want to deal with crazies all day. If you create this self-fulfilling prophecy and then be like, oof, that was tough, like yesterday wasn't tough. Well, I mean, the other thing is that uh, the other reason that's been cited in this article, uh, which I will link in the show notes, is it's potentially even that people working in the police force believe in the link and therefore they appoint more people. Yeah, they put more people on so you catch more criminals on a day. Which means uptick in crime. Yes, but anyway, that was the part I liked. I'm <laughs> like, look, look what we're doing. Anyway, I had to go get tested as well. Yeah. be triple, triple, triple check. And um, I got, I went to the one in Victoria Park and it was so cool. It looked like something out of the X-Files. It had like a big hanger and, you know, I didn't have to get out of my car. Everything was really well organized. And I was like, man, we're so set up, like change this into a vaccination station and bam, 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 just, just beautiful how quickly it would go. And then when I finally did get to my appointment for my flu vaccine, I'm like, that was so quick. <laughs> Vaccinations are very quick. This could be done. Anyway, that was my little adventure. No, please talk about your your adventure. I mean, one of the best ways to motivate people to get over vaccine hesitancy is to tell stories about getting vaccines and it being fine. <laughs> um, <laughs> so that's probably more helpful than any of the news I'm going to raise in this segment. That's why we need well, to migrate a... away from just doing a large news segment and more anecdotes from Darcy. Did you see the the, the state in the US that's like doing a lottery? No. A 22-year-old won like a million dollars. Because she'd gone and got vaccinated, and vaccination <laughs> meant that you entered into this lottery to win. That sounds cool as hell. I love that. I know. Imagine being 22 and having a million dollars. Actually, I, I would prefer to have a million dollars now. I don't think I would have done very much with it. I suppose if I just put it in a term savings account for me now, then it would be more Ooh, money. I bet you were the kid that was like, I would wish for more wishes. I would do that initially. But then I realized it's better to wish for more genies. Anyway, uh, with each genie, you can then wish for more genies. Oh, so yeah. it's, it becomes exponential. Yeah, yeah no, I, I got it. It just sucks greatly. It also doesn't violate the... Because a lot of genies have those rules, you know. Uh, I'm back watching Taskmaster, so I'm into your lateral thinking. But also <laughs> I hate it because you know that's not the purpose of the conversation. I am the Rod Gilbert of this conversation. <laughs> So, yeah, on the 9th of May, The Guardian reported that at one of Victoria's vaccination hubs, a nurse had just administered one vaccine in a whole eight-hour shift. This led to people in the following days, under the age of 50, just walking into clinics in Victoria and asking for vaccines. On the 20th of May, for example, two people in Carlton saw that Guardian story individually without you know communicating with each other, just walked in, asked, can I get it, and got the vaccine. Um <sighs> Which, like, I don't know how to feel about that because, you know, as mentioned earlier, there is a higher risk for younger people. But on the other hand, if you could get vaccinated by just walking in, uh, and I believe that um, people have now been told vaccine centres won't allow that anymore. But for a few days that was happening. Um, This was all, of course, before Melbourne went into their fourth lockdown, uh, which they're still in today at time of recording. This latest outbreak started with a case that was probably transmitted around the 3rd of May in South Australia between adjacent rooms at the Playford Hotel. Mm -hmm. Uh, SA Health now believe that there was no single high-risk event or breach. Um, Essentially, the report basically just says, hey, look, this virus is a bastard. 
Um, we tried. We tried real hard. We can't control for everything. The closest they've come to determining a cause is that there were two occasions on the 3rd of May where the doors to the two adjacent rooms were opened within 30 minutes of one another. Oh, God. Look, you're not wrong. This virus is a bust. Like, it's very difficult to actually do literally anything if that is the you know the the thing of highest risk that you've been able to identify and and that that's what they've said is uh, most likely the cause um which i guess brings us back to the importance of vaccination even if our borders are going to remain closed for the indefinite future um or for people other than returning citizens we are going to need to continue to vaccinate and you know, make sure that we are prepared for community outbreaks to happen because they're going to happen. Let me drop some vaccine numbers real quick. So when I spoke to Simon Pampaner on this show, this very program back in January, the Australian government was aiming to have reached 4 million people, so 8 million doses by the end of March. Even in January, Simon believed this was very unlikely given the government's figures and given the fact that there really hadn't been anything done to set up huge hubs and things like that. And sadly, he was right. Uh, This morning, at time of recording, we've only just reached half of that number. Um, It's estimated that as of today, the 30th of May, 4,153,000 doses have been administered, which means that at a maximum of about 2 million people are fully vaccinated. We don't know exactly how many of those doses are people on their first dose or second dose. So up to 2 million would be saying that every one of those doses has been administered to someone getting their first and second dose, which we know is not really the case. But at a maximum, it's about 8% of the Australian population that are currently vaccinated. Last night, I was sitting at the pub and big old table of people, out of eight, two had had the vaccine. So they were a healthcare worker and uh, had a pre existing condition that was going to impact on it but you're like that's not really where you'd want to be and that's a lot better than most tables because your table has 25 percent um, and we're currently at eight percent so if your table added yeah, on it was of note we discussed it at length because we were so interested and intrigued and really ideally you'd want this to be oh yeah you got your, you got your vaccine here good geez you're late aren't you you'd want to dilute that by like three times the number of people, right, for, to go from 25% to eight, two in 24. This is why I stopped doing D&D. I can't do maths on a Sunday, man. I can barely do it during the week. Why would I want to do it on my off time? As the ABC notes, at our current pace of around 591,000 doses a week, we can expect that our entire adult population will be vaccinated by late July 2022. So just another year to go. That said, the vaccination rate is really steeply going up. Um, especially in Victoria, as you might expect, Hmm. the pace of roughly 591,000 doses a week. When I looked at these numbers on Friday, that was a pace of around 434,000 doses a week, and they were predicting late December 2022. So the, the estimates are getting shorter and shorter, we just need to get out there and get vaccinated. It is interesting that, you know, we, we needed the fear almost. Yeah. I was reading an article about Zanzibar. They had someone say, we have no, no COVID. We've done it. Don't worry about it. Just come on over. No restrictions. Yeah. And um, some bunch of rich people and conspiracy theorists over there now. So that's a time. But it was interesting because the main thing that they were seeing being impacted was, you know, what will happen to our economy. The fear is entirely absent because they aren't seeing the same things that other countries are. And I know that Australia has that as well. I mean, South Australia in particular would just be bopping along. We we don't have the scars that Melbourne's got, you know? Yeah. We had a lockdown almost once. Yeah, we had three days of lockdown. Melbourne are mm. on their fourth lockdown, not their fourth day of lockdown. No, nope. um, fourth lockdown. Yeah. Even that muted fear that we, we can have with Melbourne over there, poor Melbourne again. You know, we we need to remember it and feel it as real. I mean, that's true. But also, even in Melbourne, immediately after that, the vaccination rate spiked. It's gone massively up. So it seems like even in Melbourne, you know, even after three lockdowns, Mm. people are complacent everywhere in Australia. And it is something that has been observed a lot, especially in the international press, that Australia is this kind of 
happy-go-lucky. I mean, it, it sort of feeds into our international reputation as well, that we're, you know, super laid back. But it maybe is not an area where we should be so laid back. Um, <laughs> if we were going to be serious about something, this would be the time. <laughs> and until we are fully vaccinated, the Australian government intends to keep our national borders closed for the foreseeable future, adopting what they call a Fortress Australia mentality to attain and defend a gold standard of zero COVID. A very, very, very worrying expression is what that is. I mean, first of all, it sounds a little hokey. Yeah. A little derivative, perhaps, of, of Superman. Well, it, I mean, it's just Peter Dutton living his best life, isn't it? I mean, Operation Sovereign Borders, is that any less hokey? Um, at the start of May, Prime Minister Scott Morrison told the Daily Telegraph, we sit here as an island that's living like few countries in the world are at the moment. We have to be careful not to exchange that way of life for what everyone else has. How is his marketing so good in some things? And then so it, just, it just hasn't been hitting the mark recently. Anyway. These weren't idle words. When India hit its second wave of coronavirus at the end of April, Morrison banned all Indian migration to Australia um, including the repatriation of Australian citizens. And despite the lifting of that ban on the 15th of May, more than 11,000 Australians remain stranded at time of recording. Uh, as far as I can tell, the reporting on this has been a bit loose, um, but I think about 450 people have been repatriated in the fortnight since the ban was lifted. Um, I can only find reports on three government-sponsored repatriation flights, one of which had to be half-emptied because more than 40 people tested positive to COVID, um, as well as a privately chartered flight, uh, which was chartered, of course, by Cricket Australia to bring back Australian cricketers, officials, and commentators participating in the Indian Premier League. Um, there are also some Australians that got out before that border closure and travelled via Qatar and so have already been quarantining in Australia. So th that really shows the emphasis in Australian reporting uh, that I have been able to find multiple separate articles on how cricketers got back into the country. <laughs> Despite all this, or maybe even because of this, the Morrison government are looking well-placed to win the next election. The irony of all this is that their incompetence may even end up helping them. A slow vaccine rollout allows the Liberal Party to bring out the same well-worn, xenophobic, isolationist playbook that has kept them in government for most of the past century. And you can distance yourself from that comment if you like, Darcy, but I am fucking sick of it. So that's what I'm saying um, for my part. And the next federal election could be called as early as September with the goal of cementing the Liberals in power until 2024. Ha, I'm going to take a breath after that and just kind of stretch my arms for a second while I try not to think about that. <laughs> I have some good news to wrap us up, um, but I'm just going to kind of let that, let that bit wash over me. Just breathe, be zen, you know. We're going to get rid of the news segment. Don't worry, the news is gone. Can't hurt us anymore. Yeah. <laughs> What we don't know can't hurt us. The motto very much of the COVID pandemic so far. Of your science and news podcast. Jesus. We're doing great. <laughs> well, I'll close this out with some good news. Um, Griffith University has come through for me here. Um, they've they've brought not just good news, but but incredible news, really. Um, this is about sea slugs, I swear to God, man. <laughs> It is not about sea slugs. Um, I'll see if there's any sea slug news uh, later on. But at the moment, all I have to announce is a world-first targeted antiviral therapy for COVID-19, oh, wow. which could pass clinical testing as soon as 2023. That's amazing. It's really, really cool. Uh, so it's not a cure. It's not a cure for COVID, but it is, according to researchers, almost as good as one. It can reduce the amount of virus in the lungs by about 99.9%, which would be invaluable not for people that have been vaccinated and hopefully aren't going to get it, um, but for people suffering in the, in the ICU. The reality is that we're probably going to be living with this virus for many years to come. Um, it's going to continue to mutate and have different strains. Um, you know, the, the reason that Melbourne's in this current uh, lockdown is uh, they're 
the case that's spreading at the moment has the Indian strain. The previous one had the UK strain. There have been different strains coming, and there's always the risk that vaccines will be outpaced by how much the the virus evolves. Um, So if the virus does take hold, traditional antivirals uh, can reduce symptoms and help people to recover earlier, but this new antiviral is the first to attack the novel coronavirus directly. Um, It targets its genome using, and I'm just going to have to read this, targeting its genome using a specific kind of gene-silencing RNA called small-interfering RNA, or CNA, delivered via designer lipid nanoparticles. The science is very cool, (laughs) Um, but I haven't read enough to explain it properly. It's, this is groundbreaking gene therapy that has only been invented in the past couple of years. An Australian university found a thing that could really help and that's great. And it's really great. And here's a clip of someone else explaining it. So gene silencing was actually discovered in Australia back in the late 90s in plants. And this is a technology that works with small pieces of RNA that can specifically bind to the genome of the virus. This binding causes the genome to not work anymore. And in fact, it causes the cells to destroy it by cutting it up. So RNA medicines need to be delivered in something called a nanoparticle. So we inject it into the bloodstream and the nanoparticles go to the lungs and they fuse into the cells delivering the RNA. The RNA seeks out the virus and it destroys its genome. So the virus can no longer replicate. This is incredibly specific to just the virus. So normal cells don't suffer from any side effects at all with this particular treatment. Oh, wasn't that good? <laughs> oh, it was, it was great. It was almost as good as a supercut of the news teams. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. I assume. All of this audio you've heard. <laughs> Shh, don't breach the illusion. <laughs> when would I ever? Um, what I can say, not knowing anything about the science is that the reporting on it um, and the commentary on it sounds really promising. COVID survivors that were treated with the Cerner nanoparticle formulation were found to have no detectable traces of the virus in their lungs after the therapy. Woo! Air horn, air horn, air horn. Finger gun, finger gun. If the technique can be universalized as well, this kind of antiviral therapy could be used to treat other viruses like influenza, as well as whatever the next big pandemic is because there are other viruses out there that are going to evolve and are going to hit us at some point. But if this sort of therapy can be used to reduce the damage of those viruses as well, this could be a really, really good tool to have in our arsenal as well as the the vaccine. So this is really exciting. We're in a really good spot in a lot of ways. We just need to stick it out. I'm really keen to keep talking about the exciting and the terrifying stuff with you, Darcy, um, but not in a dedicated news segment anymore. <laughs> Goodbye, news! I will close this out by saying we're certainly not going to stop talking about COVID on the show, and in fact, I think we're actually going to talk about it a bit more, just more indirectly. All I've realised is essentially this isn't the best place to deliver breaking news stories. You'll be shocked to hear. When we record this a fortnight before I release it... <laughs> It is not going to be able to address things that are breaking. For that, uh, I really recommend... I've been reading The Guardian, The ABC, The Age, Nine News. That's pretty much the four that I go to. I'd also like to recommend two email newsletters that I subscribe to, and I know that's not really a way that everyone gets news, but these two are really good. Um, And I've cited them both before on the podcast. So they are The Age's Examine newsletter run by Liam Mannix and the Raising Hell newsletter by Royce Kermilovs. Um, I'll link both of those in the show notes. I've cited both of them on the show. The Examine newsletter is kind of a general science newsletter, but has been doing a really good job recently of talking about social impacts of COVID. Um, The Raising Hell newsletter did a series uh, halfway through last year and the start of this year called Cracking COVID Safe, uh, which was in partnership with Electronic Frontiers Australia. They did a lot of the stuff that, you know, Angus and I couldn't possibly have done uh, in terms of the COVID safe stuff, speaking to people that had access to the code and putting in freedom of information requests and, you know, all that really good journalistic stuff that we couldn't get by aggregating news stories. Like, these are the people that I think are really good to listen to and pay attention to, and they are the sorts of people that will really help us to have more of a sense of, of where we're headed socially 
Um, and if you want a more informal take, we're going to be talking about some fucking movies. It's going to be sick, Darcy. <laughs> I'm so keen. I'm so keen. Oh, buddy. <laughs> oh, and I might put some stuff occasionally on the Patreon or on... Once, once the main website is live, I might put some stuff up there. But until then, let's just watch some films. <laughs> Chill out. I'm so tired all the time. Man. We we are both exhausted. Um, so let's do a slightly different show. Let's let's make it like good, like a good show that people want oh, to like listen a, to. Like a good show. Yeah, I've oh. decided we're going to make a good show that people want to listen to. That's my like my hot new idea for Radio Lockdown. I don't know if I'm ready for that. Yeah, look, neither <laughs> am I. But we're in this together, Darcy. Just like High School Musical. Originally, my premise for this episode was I was going to take a question from every episode of the podcast and ask you them. I do have to ask, Darcy, do you think the pandemic will be over by October 2020? Oh, my God. What did I say? Did I say no? Did I say hopefully? I think we said, I think we said hopefully. I think we were talking about whether this is over in six months or 12 months. <laughs> So do you think it will be over by October 2020, Darcy? Oh, you know, we'll be, we'll be here forever. <laughs> I mean, it's fine. I'm cool. What? What is one change that you would like to continue heading out of COVID? One change that I would like to continue. Oh, no, Justin. Oh, no. I am. Um... Last one. No pressure. Last one. No pressure. I've probably said this a bunch of times before, but I like working from home. I'm shit at it. I'm so bad at it. I get so distracted so quickly. <laughs> but I like having the option, and I'm so mad at other people that get to do it like longer term, like um, how the, the tree changes, like the people that are going into rural areas, because it would have been like I can't do it in my current role, yeah, and it's it's unlikely that I ever would be able to. And it was so annoying because at one point like, it was a bit scary and my mum was like, you could just, you know, work from here. Like I was back home on our family farm and I was like, oh, I could. Yeah. <laughs> no, I've got to go back. I mean, it's interesting. We talked about how the nature of work was changing at the start of this. And I think there was a real opportunity at the beginning there for people to rethink the way that businesses were structured and realise, you know, actually a lot of our employees are a lot happier and do just as good work, if not better work, while working from home. Mm. Maybe we will see that in other countries where people have been working from home for longer. And so we will we will eventually see it spill over because we always borrow from America anyway, you know. Um, maybe this will be a trend in Australian offices in like 10 years' time. But, um, yeah, it, it, it is kind of rough that we've already kind of seen that dream you know, go away a little bit of everyone being able to work from home. As someone that works from home, makes almost no money, but is thriving, um, I really recommend it. <laughs> Speaking of which, you can support us at patreon.com forward slash Neptune today. Um, I, <laughs> I'm in a perverse way. I think it has really encouraged everyone to think about where they're getting their news from. This is probably a good one for us to close close out this segment on it's encouraged me to really not treat facebook as a as a news source at all um mm. to practice media literacy and comparative reading and trying to figure out the truth by aggregating news from different places i do hope that that we continue holding people in government to account because governments have got away with talking a lot of shit and never being fact-checked. During a pandemic, you really can't do that. And there's a certain honour in telling people the truth, regardless of if it reflects poorly on you. Mm. you know, there's, there's the purpose to government is to, you know, provide those services. Yeah. To get those things right. And it's, yeah, something like a, a global pandemic, you know, as much as we want to, be all separate and off doing our own things and the libertarians will tell you a bunch of bullshit. As much as that is the thing, we are in a very complex society that relies on each other for our safety and having 
a big structure like a government work correctly in a time of crisis is, you know, when it is saying we're going to tell you, oh, Professor Spurrier, just with her, her media updates, she's so calm and factual and everything is sciencey and, and, oh, Nicola, what a babe. She's, she's really good at her job. And, um, I, yeah, I think also, you know, um, Australia was already headed for a pretty bad economic situation before the pandemic. A lot of what Morrison did in terms of financial stimulus for the economy actually happened before Australia was directly hit by the pandemic. Um, you know, already announcing aid packages for Australian businesses as of the start of January. That's because Australia was already bound for a recession. The debt crisis is going to continue to hit regardless of this pandemic. Um, I think that recognising that there is a need for governments to actually provide for people and to, to be here in other forms of crisis, um, you know, that these times aren't as exceptional um, as they may seem to those of us that were doing pretty fine beforehand. So, yeah, truth to power, talk about the news Work from home if you can. High five someone. If you're able to high five, do a high five. Sorry, Melbourne. Darcy, what's what's going on? What do you want to talk about this week? What's a charity or a, a thing people should read or a... Guys, I finally watched WandaVision. She's such a good actress and you should watch her in a movie with Hugh Dancy, aka the most handsome man alive, but it's a really fucked up movie called... Oh, shit. What's it called? It's about... Um, someone trying to leave a cult Ooh. Uh, mary martha may marcine i think four different names she's a great actress and i was so happy that they let her do something because justin i keep watching the facebook algorithms got me so good yeah that they know that i like watching the final battle clip of the avengers the last movie <laughs> Like they're like, look at all these women we put in our movies. Yeah, you put them in them, but you didn't give them movies, and you killed off ScarJo. So I don't know, man. <laughs> but I keep crying at it, and then I get to see her in One Division. I'm like, yes, excellent, the second, the <laughs> second wave, but in a really fun way, in a Marvel way, not in a COVID way. <laughs> <laughs> it's coming and we're going to see some really different storytelling and that's really fun so you can do some crazy shit and have fun with it that's going to be the motto of the podcast going forward do some crazy shit have fun with it watch wandavision uh i haven't seen martha marcy may marlene but it does have a 90 percent on rotten tomatoes mm -hmm. that'll be it from us for this week we'll be back when we're back and you'll see it <laughs> in your feed if you're subscribed to Radio Lockdown. It'll be so exciting. The little title will be a movie and you'll be like, what's all, what's all this all going on about? Like, what's what's what? all this then? What's all this, what's all this what movie? What are these chappies doing? Oh, what's, what's up with these bloody kids? Okay, bye. <laughs> <laughs> Good, good outro for the season finale. Oh, we nailed it. We nailed it. <laughs> oh, oh, dear. Excellent. You've been listening to Radio Lockdown, a Neptune podcast. Eurovision is the show you love or the show you love to hate. And are there two less qualified people to talk about it than us? It's the Do's podcast. Have you ever thought, how many pyrotechnic displays can you have in one song before the fire alarm is pulled? What's better than a costume reveal? A costume reveal that goes wrong. Oh my lord. It's a little bit salty. It's a little bit sweet. But it's mostly salty as hell. Do's Podcast, available on all good streaming services. <laughs>